there are Sundays that I sometimes think there should be a disclaimer <laughs> that makes it very clear to everyone that the clergy do not pick the lessons. <clears throat> so clearly I don't need to explain that this is one of those Sundays. You already know that. So let's look at the book of Amos. And the Lord God said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. I, I love this. I think there's a lot to, to just those two sentences. Um, in the original language in Hebrew, the, um, the word for plumb line is, is very ambiguous. We don't know what it is. It could be, for example, a pickaxe, but we don't know. But what is unambiguous, what is crystal clear, is that if God asks you what you see, give a straight answer. Don't give too many words. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Just tell the truth and tell it quickly. Especially when God's asking. It reminds me of um, a story, because I think there's great wisdom in that, a lot of wisdom in that of 15, 18 years ago, we had a, a, a parishioner who had gone off to rehab um, for alcoholism in an inpatient facility for several weeks. And I had not seen him. I knew where he was. He was a prominent doctor in town. We all knew about it. And one Sunday, he, he comes back to church. I knew he had just gotten out of the inpatient facility. And he came through at the door at the end. It was just perfect because there was nobody behind him and everybody had left in front of him. So I could talk just a little bit. And I said, how are you? He said, well, and I'll never forget this. He said, I've been, um, I've been sober for 40 days. But the reality, the reality sometimes is still a bit much. And the Lord God said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Sometimes it's as simple as that. That's all that's needed in terms of response. In the book of Amos, God speaks as directly and simply to Amos and to Israel and by extension to all of us, as Amos speaks to God. And God tells us the truth about something that God really wants us to see and is frankly shocked that we don't. And Amos, in the book of Amos, it's very specific what God is upset about. God says and speaks directly to you who devour the needy and tilt an unjust scale and sell grain refuse as if it's grain. So what God, through Amos, is so upset about is not something abstract, is something very specific. And God is upset, via Amos, with corrupt merchants. They tilt an unjust scale. Here's what this means. They're selling it as if they're giving you more than you actually purchased. It would be as if you bought a pint of beer, and the pint glass was not a pint glass. It was smaller, but yet you paid for the beer as if it were a pint glass. You follow me? But the consequences are much more severe and grave because it's grain, it's sustenance, it's people's livelihood. 
And the bit about selling grain refuse as grain means that they're, they're shortchanging the people, especially poor people. They're giving them what is not grain, but charging them as if it is. That, too, makes me think about stories from today and our world today. Is so often the voice of God is coming to us through scriptures, addressing not what happened, but what happens. And so, too, with Amos. We are in the uh, middle, because it's July, we do this every year. I, don't, I, I guess St. John's Cathedral, I've been here four years. Apparently you've done this since Jesus was a boy. It's loaves and fishes month here at the cathedral. And we, we work with this dynamic nonprofit that's a great friend of ours called Metro Caring. It's a few blocks from here. And we take up offerings of groceries, and we give them to Metro Caring. And Metro Caring gives it to people who face food insecurity. It's, it's, it's wonderful, and we do it annually, and we love Metro Caring. This year, we've done one thing a little bit differently. The, the Faith in Action Commission, which oversees all this on behalf of the cathedral, their parishioners, and I have asked Metro Caring, we want to do um, an advocacy statement. We want to say something more and look at this in terms of the big picture in food insecurity. What would you like for us you know, to, to talk to St. John's about? What do you want them to know if we're really serious about food insecurity? What's, what's as important as these bags, if not groceries, if not more important? You know what they said? They said, tell them about the difference between minimum wage and a living wage. So this is interesting for, for so many reasons. So um, I've warned you, every story reminds me of another story, so just a quick detour. <laughs> Our son is tickled to death, rightly, to have been hired by Coors Field to work the baseball games including the All-Star Game this Tuesday. So it's a big deal. He's played baseball um, his entire high school career. He's, so this is great. And what he's, he, he's also really excited to be making minimum wage. And he said, Daddy, minimum wage in Denver is pretty good. And I said, it, it is. But what, we, what he really needs to understand is if you added up minimum wage, his mother and I both know this, it's not paying for college for one full year. And it's not paying for much. And a matter of fact, if you add up minimum wage in Denver for one full year, take off a few weeks for vacation, it adds up to be $31,200, which means not only is it not paying for college education anywhere, it's also not paying for a lot of food, good security, or contribution towards your health care needs. It doesn't work. And what Metro Caring says, if you, if you had what you need to get the basics, you need $45,000 worth a year. So if you really are concerned about food insecurity, you've got to look at what's upstream that's creating these problems downstream. The bags of groceries matter. You're, you're going to have a hard time getting out of this church today without somebody handing you a grocery bag. Please be generous. But please also think about the larger causes that create food insecurity. The book of Amos, it's only nine chapters. You can actually read it in about one sitting. Um, and in the last two chapters, God makes two remarkable promises. The first of which in chapter 8 is this. God says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine upon the land, a famine not of bread or of water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. A famine of hearing, a famine of truth, a famine of, of honesty and decency and justice. A famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And that, to me, God is, is making a very... I mean, God's telling us the truth. 
in terms we can understand. And the truth is this. It's really surprising. It's really actually shocking if you just think about it. The truth is that people who are unjust, who tilt, tilt an unjust scale, that don't pay fair wages for an honest day's work, are as impoverished as people who are starving to death. That those two groups of people, and forgive me for imagining them as groups, those two groups of people are related at the level of blood and soul, and you can't pick which one's more impoverished than the other one. Do you see? Do you hear me on this? They're both impoverished. That's the famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Thankfully, um, the book of Amos doesn't end there. It ends in chapter 9. And I'm not making this up. If, if, if this were a movie, if the book of Amos were a movie, it'd be a fabulous soundtrack. But it's got, it actually has a great ending. And it's even a happy ending. At the very end of the book, God promises restoration. And God says, I will, re- I will rebuild the uninhabited cities. I will rebuild the vineyards. They shall drink their wine. And, my favorite image, um, and the hills of grain will wave at you again. It's, for Christians, it's a kind of Eucharistic image. Every time we receive communion, even if we don't read this reading from Amos, the Eucharist itself is is a kind of um, embodiment of the book of Amos. Jesus Christ gives himself to us in the sacramental bread, and the bread has to be broken in order to be shared. And for us ultimately to receive Jesus Christ in our outstretched hands, to receive Jesus Christ within our bodies and souls, ultimately to receive that bread and really fully receive it and understand it for what it is, we've got to give it away. That's the way bread works. Keep breaking it and keep passing it. And this bread and this meal is not just spiritual. It is spiritual, but it's not just spiritual. It always is a meal of grace and of justice, of mercy and of morality. There's always a lesson in this meal, and even a a physical lesson about economics. If you were starving to death, and we gave you 40 of these wafers, it might not be the best meal you've ever had, And a sip or two of that wine, you'd make it to tomorrow. And that lesson is in this meal every single time. All that we have, all that we are, if we really want to receive who we are and whose we are, we got to give it away. And then we will realize what we have and who we are, namely, the gifts of God for the people of God.